This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome into a Tuesday, August 22nd edition of the Unreasonable Odds podcast presented by DraftKings. I'm your host, Julian Edlow. And as our guest and I were saying before we came on, it is the best time of the year because football is right around the corner. College football week zero getting underway this weekend. uh, And then the party really gets going week one with, uh, I think, five straight nights of college football in week one and for the occasion we welcome in one of the best in the business uh returning for i think his third straight year on unreasonable odds phil Steele. uh phil great to have you how are you doing man you know i'm doing great julian always enjoy our yearly chats and uh as you mentioned it's always a lot more fun when the games are going on it is a lot more fun when the games are going on but i will say one of the most fun parts of my summer and i'm holding it up right now for those of you that do have this on camera this magazine right here, Phil Steele's College Football Preview 2023. This year, over 350 pages. Um, I've torn through as much of it as I possibly can. Um, if interested, obviously, you got Phil Steele Plus, which gives you all the works. I know you guys got uh, an FCS magazine going on, digital magazine, um, philsteele.com, uh, part of that that package as well. Uh, before we get going, Phil, I don't, I don't want to sell any of your, your product short, let the people know what you got going on this year. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah. The, uh, the magazine, the Phil Steele college football preview, I feel has got three to four times the amount of information in any other magazine, like getting 133 media guides rolled into one. Uh, now this year it's different. You used to be able to get it like at Walmart and grocery stores, but this year it's available exclusively Barnes and Noble and books a million are the only two locations. So head out to your Barnes and Noble books a million or philsteel.com. And when you go to philsteel.com, I'm going to charge you a shipping charge for the magazine. It costs to mail things, but we give you the digital magazine for free along through September. So books a million, Barnes and Noble and philsteel.com. And for those of you that uh, like to play the FCS, I feel there's more value playing an FCS game where nobody knows anything about it rather than Alabama against LSU where everybody knows everything and the line's super sharp. If you like to learn about all the FBS teams, we actually give you two FCS teams. We give you two full pages on every FCS team. That's available right now in the FCS magazine at philsteel.com. That is what all the best college football bettors that I know say that the real value is in FCS, but you can include me in the uh, group of knows nothing about it. So I'm probably going to need to get my hands on that and learn a little something so that I can, uh, so that I can bet some of those games this year, but we are going to start ripping through, um, you know, the power conferences here. I'm going to go with the conferences in order of the way that you have them in your magazine, Phil. And that means that we're starting 
With the SEC, uh, UGA, back-to-back champs and their favorites to three-peat if you're looking at the betting boards. Um, schedule, as it seems to every year, sets up for a favorable uh, favorable for them to really run the table. The win total is 11 and a half. But uh, even if UGA does go 12 and 0, Phil, how do you feel they grade out just overall against other elite teams in the country like your Ohio States, Michigan, Alabama, LSU? Um, Is this team as good as the last two years or have they taken a step back and just kind of have another pretty easy schedule? Hence why the win total is where it is. Well, I'm going to say defensively, they're better than last year. As you recall, last year they lost nine draft picks, uh, five guys in the first round. This year they only lose five draft picks, one first rounder. So the defense is going to be back to 2021 standards. They play a lot of players. Uh, the defense will be great offensively. That's where your uh, question mark is Stetson Bennett. Everybody wanted to replace him because he was a walk-on, but he was a winner and uh, did great in the big games. But I think Carson Beck at the season's end is a Heisman finalist. Uh, Carson Beck's been in the system for four years. One of my top-rated quarterbacks out of high school. He's got my number one rated offensive line in front of him, my number four set of receivers, number six running backs. And, you know, as you mentioned, schedule-wise, they're going to be at least a 17-point favorite in 11 of their 12 games. The only one they won't is against Tennessee on November the 18th on the road. But by that time, Carson Beck will be a veteran i think this georgia team is could be even be better than last year's georgia team which of course had a couple of close calls remember they uh they nearly lost to missouri on the road and if ohio state kicks a field goal at the end of the game we're talking about ohio state as a defending national champ so you kind of got into it there but my my only follow-up on georgia do you think they slip up this regular season and do you think there's any chance that slip up is any other spot but that road game at tennessee I wouldn't expect them to, you know, you, you've got that going for you. I mean, they went into the Missouri game as a, a four-touchdown favorite and struggled. The Auburn right. game, the Florida game would be a couple of games they could potentially struggle with. But other than that, I, I don't see any. And the reason for Auburn and Florida would be both are away from home. All right, so sticking in the East, you have South Carolina ranked third in that division. This team picked up a ton of momentum down the stretch last season. Big wins, Clemson, Tennessee, uh, all had Notre Dame against the ropes, even though they got a little lucky with some defensive touchdowns maybe uh, in that bowl game. But really tough schedule for the Gamecocks this year. That six and a half win total on DraftKings Sportsbook has actually been bet down to six. Uh, mm. flat. So I... Personally, I don't see them going five and seven to lose you your money. I think you would push or win if you bet the over. But again, really tough schedule. How do you see? Uh, and, and again, a huge game for the win total right off the bat, that week one game against uh, against UNC. How do you see this season playing out for, for the Gamecocks? And specifically, how do you see that opening matchup, which is a really key game against UNC going? Yeah, I would go over six with South Carolina for a couple of factors. First of all, uh, they get Florida at home. They get Kentucky at home this year. They get Mississippi State at home. I think those are three wins. Other wins, of course, would be Furman uh, would be a win. Uh, I think the Missouri game is a toss-up game, but Jacksonville State at home is a win. Vanderbilt's a win. Uh, I think they do top the six-win total. As you mentioned, worst-case scenario is probably six and six, but the second factor is Shane Beamer. I mean, the first year, South Carolina was, what, three and a half with the win total? and they got the seven last year when they're six and four you expected them to finish six and six didn't you i mean when they're playing tennessee and clemson two teams contending for the playoff spot and yet they upset them both you got to think there's an upset in the bag there somewhere for south carolina
Carolina. Uh, and despite their the fact they're number 82 experience chart, I love for the Georgia in the East. Uh, I don't think they're up there talent-wise with them, but they clearly are this, about the same level as Kentucky and Florida, and they get both those two teams at home. All right, Phil, you've mentioned Florida a couple of times, uh, a team that plays an incredibly difficult schedule uh, as well. And they just lost Anthony Richardson, obviously, but you know they're getting another, another serviceable quarterback in there ready to go. Their win total is only down there at, at five and a half. That's what I'm curious how you feel about if the Gators could be bowl eligible. And this week one game is really interesting. We'll get to Utah as a team that you and I have talked about a lot each year that you've come on and a team that you've been high on in your magazine for the last few years. Um, but that that number that opened 10 has now come all the way down. It sat around seven, seven and a half for a while. And now it's moved all the way to five, which indicates wow. that maybe, yeah, maybe Cam Rising is going to be operating well under 100% or not ready to go for the opener. Um, so again, from what, you're, you're, from your what I hear, are, Cam Rising, yeah, ahead, Cam Rising has, has not been practicing yet, but uh, hopefully yeah. he'll start practicing and be able to play in the game. And that is probably the main reason for the line move is be Cam Rising and, and frankly, uh, you know, there might be a game to stay away from until you actually know if Cam Rising is going to play or not. And the line would, would move with it. Uh, with Florida this year, they play the toughest schedule in the country. I mean, not only Utah, uh, you look at the crossover games they get from the uh, West. They have to play LSU. They play Florida State. They, of course, play Georgia in their own division. But I'll tell you this. I talked to Coach Napier, going over the squad with him. And uh, I mentioned to him that the over-under win total was five and a half on them. And you could almost hear the grin through the phone. Uh, he's like, go ahead. Let everybody pick a slow. I feel pretty good about this year's team. And, you know, I asked him about Graham Mertz because he had questions about Graham Mertz. Is he a Napier a quarterback? But he likes what Graham Mertz brings to the table and feels he's going to have a much better than expected year. They've got the running backs with ETN and Johnson. Uh, offensive line's a question mark. Defense has got to improve. To brutal schedule. I might stay away from the over-under win total and stay away from the Utah game because I'm not really sure. If it's it's up to Coach Napier, he, he, you would take the over. Uh, but I think when you just look at the talent that they have and the schedule they have, you figure that they're probably going to be an underdog in seven games. SEC West, for my money, most exciting division in football, Phil. I've been a Bama guy over the years, um, but when you, and I'm using air quotes here, quote unquote, struggle the way that the Tide did last year, they finished 11 and two, but with some narrow wins. I'm being kind of simple with this team. I'm looking at them as you lose the best offensive player in the country, the best defensive player in the country, both as top three NFL picks. How exactly is this team going to top 10 wins again, especially playing in the division uh, that they play in. So do you think that Alabama, Phil, can can get to 11 and 12 or 12 wins? Do you think they have a shot to make the college football playoff, which is a plus price tag? Or do you think the regression that we kind of saw last year continues? Yeah, I think when you look at Alabama, um, if you looked at them on paper, you would definitely be saying under because they're only number 127 on my experience chart. As you mentioned, they lose their top two players, and they have greatly struggled, not just last year, but the year before that. They've struggled on the road is where they've had their, their major problems. And uh, But if you go back to last year, let's paint a rosier picture. Last year, their two losses both came on the final play of the game, uh, so they could easily have won both those games. And right. they've got this guy, Nick Saban. I don't know if you've heard of him, Julian. <laughs> 
I have. But uh, he's got he's got a pretty good track record. And the you know the last time they were not ranked preseason number one was 2020. They went undefeated, won the national title. The last time they were ranked preseason number four. Guess what? They went number where they ran the table and uh, won the national title. They've only had one national title in ranked preseason number one, so I think they've got them just where they want. The fact that they haven't struggled at home, really, the last couple of years, they get Texas at home, they get LSU at home, would have me favoring them in those games. In fact, the only game that um, I don't have them favored in this year is at Texas A&M. I know the Vegas line on that's eight and a half, but I got that one a toss-up game. Uh, I think they've struggled on the road. A&M is, remember, A&M was at their two-yard line last year, throwing in the end zone with a chance to win the game and beat them the last time they traveled to College Station. And I am bullish on A&M. So um, for Alabama, I would probably... um, a pass on the the total, but if I'm uh, if you made me pick it, I would pick them to win the West based on the schedule. All right, I was going to go to LSU next, but let's go to A and M since you you brought them up, and this is a team you're you're very high on this year. I've played the over seven and a half win total on Love them, it. and I did Love play it. I did play the plus eight and a half for Texas A and M at home against uh, against Alabama. They won this game at home a couple of years ago. Uh, and then, like you said, got very close in Tuscaloosa last year. This is a team that plays Alabama really well. So getting that many points uh, at home, I think, is is very much worth it. Um, tell me, though, uh, 20 starters back, I know, is is the key number here. Tell me what else you really love about Texas A&M this upcoming season. Well, first of all, let's take a look at last year, Julian. Uh, when I was going over the team with Coach Fisher last year, uh, it seemed like we got to the end of most positions, like the offensive line. And he said, this is last year's conversation. He said, Phil, we're going to have one of the best offensive lines in the country. And then he finished it with next year. That would happen at a lot of the positions. In fact, they were only number 124 in my experience chart last year. And up on philsteel.com right now, if you go back and look at the blogs, uh, we've got one that has a starts loss for the year. Uh, A&M was the second most starts lost to injury or suspension last year. Uh, they lost their top wide receiver, Anaya Smith, week four. They had three different starting quarterbacks. The offensive line had three freshman starters one game. The defense was banged up all year long. And even in the five and seven season, a lot of close losses, you know, losses by four, losses by six, losses by three and three. But as mentioned, they uh, were at the two-yard line of Bama with a chance to win. And heck, they beat LSU 38-23 to even in a five and seven season. Now they go from number 124 in my experience chart all the way to number 14. Once again, philsteel.com, check out the daily blogs, find out teams that make that type of experience jump. Big time benefits. Uh, 20 returning starters coming back. The schedule sets up well. They do have to play LSU and Tennessee on the road. I don't like the fact they're playing Tennessee on the road the week after hosting Alabama. Those are two games I have an underdog in for the year. But seven and a half should be a pretty easy over for this team. And, you know, everybody says, who's going to win the West, Alabama or LSU? I say who's going to win the West, Alabama, LSU, or Texas A&M. High praise right there for the Aggies. Um, the team that I have have wagered on to get out of it is LSU. I'm very high on them this year. Um, I think everybody is. There's a lot of good reason to be. That Texas A&M game to end the season, I think, was a really interesting game because it kind of gave A&M some, some confidence coming into this season. It was a good stepping stone game for them. But for LSU, I also feel like they can really write it off because they had already won the division and we're kind of looking ahead to Georgia and the SEC title game. So it was kind of a weird spot for them. 
this is a team that, you know, I, I've bet them against FSU in the opener on the money line. I have them to win over nine and a half games. And I took a stab on them at six to one to win the SEC, maybe even a little sprinkle early on at 24 to one to win it all. I don't know if they'll get there or not. Um, not to mention, I have the Tigers plus seven and a half in that November game against Alabama. I know that you're high on AM, but where does LSU factor in here in this crazy division? Well, LSU surprised me last year, and they probably surprised a lot of their backers last year because expectations weren't that high, especially after the loss to Florida State. They needed, uh, you know, they trailed Auburn big, made a miracle comeback, then got blown out by Tennessee, and all of a sudden they're four and two with wins over Southern and New Mexico, and you're thinking, okay, can they get to a bowl game? And then, of course, uh, you know, they had a couple of comeback wins. The Alabama win in overtime got the victory. The Arkansas game, Arkansas was missing their starting quarterback. Uh, but still a 10 of four season uh, pretty much surprised me last year. Brian Kelly's in much better shape this year. I think last year he was rebuilding the team. A lot of transfers coming in, a lot of newness. This year they've got 15 returning starters coming back. And of all the contenders, they're one of the very few that have a returning starting quarterback this year in Jaden Daniels. So I can make a case for LSU. Uh, the Florida State game's tough. At Ole Miss is going to be a tough one. At Alabama, and I think the AM game will be highly competitive at the end of the year. But uh, I think it is a three-team race in the West this year. All right, Phil, before we move out of the SEC, I'm just going to open it up to you. Any Anything we didn't touch on in terms of a team that uh, you think is maybe uh, overhyped or being underlooked uh, compared to expectations? You know, the, the one team to, to look at, and people are going to wonder why I've got them uh, picked last in the West, but it is basically due to the schedule, is Mississippi State. I think they're a talented team, uh, but you look at their schedule. They host Alabama, and they host LSU. Those are two games that they're going to be an underdog at home. And I think in the SEC, you have to factor in the home field edge. They play South Carolina, Arkansas, Auburn, and Texas A&M all on the road. They'll be a dog in all four of those games. The Ole Miss game at home. The Kentucky game at home, they'll probably be a slight favorite in both. The Ole Miss game is maybe be a, a toss-up game. But I think when you look at Mississippi State, uh, if you're looking at win total-wise, they might not match uh, preseason expectations uh, based on the fact that um, they've got the toughest schedule in the SEC this year. All right, we're moving on to the Big Ten. Consecutive years now, Michigan has upset Ohio State in the season finale to go to the Big Ten championship game, win it, and then let down in the college football playoffs. But, you know, I think that the way Michigan's been playing and with the talent they bring back, I know Ohio State, those those receivers, those skill position guys, but to have Michigan slightly, the last I looked, it was uh, Ohio State plus 170 and Michigan plus 175 to win the conference. To have Michigan still slightly priced behind Ohio State, maybe a little bit disrespectful. Um, I'll, I'll just hand you this this division, Phil, the Big Ten East with Michigan, Ohio State, and then some people even saying Penn State is the best team. How is the top of this powerhouse division going to play out in your mind? Yeah, and if if you uh, asked me to make a case for uh, Ohio State or Penn State, I could easily do that. Ohio State's number two in my power poll, the second most talented team in the country. Penn State's number five in my power poll. But I like Michigan, just like you, uh, for a couple of reasons. First of all, they're number three in my power poll, so they're they're up there. They've got uh, they are number seven in my experience chart, so one of the most experienced teams in the country. Of the main contenders this year, very few have a returning starter. They're one of them. They got JJ McCarthy back, and I. 
I think they're going to loosen the reins on J.J. McCarthy a little bit this year. Let him throw down field more to guys like Loveland and Johnson. Blake Coram's back. Donovan Edwards is back. I've got him the number one rated running back core in the country. I've got their offensive line, which, by the way, has won the Joe Moore Award each of the last two years. I've got their offensive line rated number two, and defensively, they're strong. This is Jim Harbaugh's best team he's put on the field over nine years. Now, they also have the playoff experience the last two years. Neither game was good for them. I, I thought the TCU game, they had more talent, somehow lost that game. The Georgia game, they were non-competitive at points. But I think that now that they've had the playoff experience for two years, if they get to the playoff this year, which I think they will, uh, they have a good shot at actually doing something. And when you factor in the schedule, to me, that's a key factor. They actually take on the number 67 schedule in the country. They get Ohio State at home. Ohio State, meanwhile, has got road games against Notre Dame, Wisconsin, the week after they play Penn State, and Michigan all on the road. And, of course, Penn State's got to play at Ohio State. So I think the schedule sets up well. The talent sets up well. Uh, I like Michigan to win the Big Ten this year. Yeah, that's the part. Everybody kind of has that uh, final game of the regular season circled. The part that I like here is that I think Ohio State, as you alluded to, has the much better chance to slip up earlier than Michigan going into that game, which which could be a huge uh, difference maker. Before we move on to a, another really interesting division in the West, Phil, uh, obviously those th- big three in the East have everyone's attention. Is there any other team uh, in in that division uh, that you feel is is uh, being underrated or is there there an overrated one uh, that you think people aren't paying attention to? Uh, I think everybody's reasonably priced. The one thing I want to point out about Maryland is while the skill players are definitely there, I mean, we're talking about Talia Tungavailoa, uh, some dangerous receivers, one of the best receiving cores in the country. My big question mark with them is the offensive line and defensive line. They only return one starter on the O-line. Defensive line returns zero starters. And I think that weakness at the line of scrimmage will keep them from being a true contender in the East, like some people are calling for. I think when they line up against Penn State, Ohio State, and uh, Michigan, they'll be outdone at the line of scrimmage this year. All right, there you go. Be careful with Maryland. We're going to move over to the West, where Wisconsin is your is your surprise team. They're getting a lot of hype. The coach, the quarterback, things are different. This isn't, you know, your old Badgers team. Tell us why you think, Phil, that they can have such an elite season. Well, uh, Julian, I got to be honest, when I... um... I do the magazine at a three write through process. It's seven months of work put into it. And when I first heard that uh, Phil Long was getting hired as the offense coordinator and bringing in the air raid, I was very concerned with Wisconsin because they're not a team built for the air raid. They've got a big old offensive line, they've got outstanding running backs, they've got good, not great wide receivers. And switching schemes like that concerned me a lot. But after the third write through the magazine, talking to Coach Fickle, uh, and going through the squad with them, he assured me they are not abandoning the run. In fact, he says that they've been running into eight, nine-man boxes for the majority of the last three years. And if you look at the magazine and check out their yards per carry the last three years, 3.9, 4.8, 4.7, Wisconsin hasn't even averaged over five yards per carry the last three years, which is atypical for them. They're a team that always has an outstanding run game. Well, now Coach Fickle feels that with the addition of Tanner Mordecai from SMU, the addition of some uh, 
solid receivers like Will Pauling from Cincinnati and C.J. Williams from USC, that they're going to spread teams out. And all of a sudden, uh, Braylon Allen, Ches Malusi are not going to be running into boxes geared to stop and that they'll actually be getting over that five-yard per carry average. So I'm, I'm more, I was convinced they're not abandoning the run. Now, defensively, they only had three starters back last year. This year, they have eight. I mentioned that blog on philsteel.com. You should really check it out. It's about the experience chart and when teams make a move. Wisconsin was number 107 in my experience chart last year. This year, they're number 20. That's a huge jump of 87 spots. And then you factor in the schedule. You look at their road games, Washington State, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana, Minnesota, all winnable. They catch Ohio State at home the week after Ohio State plays Penn State, and they get Iowa at home. Iowa, I think, is their main contender in the West. So add it all up. I could see this team going 11 and 1 or 12 and 0. And Coach Fickle's done pretty good in uh, making the playoff. He took a Cincinnati team, the only Group of Five to ever to make the playoff. So I'm bullish on this year's Wisconsin team. All right. You mentioned the main contention in the West, Phil, being Iowa. That's a team that I have bet over seven and a half wins. I believe it's moved to eight flat on on DraftKings. Uh, one of the things that I like, we're just talking, you know, we say so many good things about these these teams, but scheduling has so much to do with with how we we play these win totals and divisions. They avoid Michigan and Ohio State, which is huge. Um, they do uh, go to Penn State, where I believe they're a ten and a half point dog. Um, so that's probably their toughest game, as well as the the Wisconsin game in the division. How do you feel? I, I would I think Wisconsin should be favored in that division. But h- how do you feel about the Hawkeyes over seven and a half wins? And what type of uh, what type of chance do you give them to contend with the Badgers in the division? Yeah, that's a heck of a smart wager you made, uh, Julian. Remember last year in their 8-5 and five season, they had to play both Ohio State and Michigan. And yeah. in between those two, they played Illinois. And, of course, uh, Iowa State was a really good team at the start of the year. Now you wonder what Iowa State's going to be like this year with all the uh, the, the problems they're having there with suspensions and players leaving the team. So uh, I look at Iowa, and I love this squad. First of all, when I was watching the portal and I see Cade McNamara popped in the portal, I got to be honest, within five seconds, I said to myself, go to Iowa. Perfect fit. And guess what? He ends up at Iowa. He's a, a game manager, but a highly accurate quarterback, a, a quarterback that knows how to win. And I think it's a big boost for their offense, getting him at the QB spot. And he brings over his tight end with him and Eric All. If you remember two years ago at Penn State, the winning touchdown combination was Cade McNamara to Eric All in the final minutes of the game to allow Michigan to pull out the win over Penn State. Now they're playing for Iowa. And people say, well, that Iowa offense, it's never any good. Guess what? Just two years ago, or in 2020, I should say, they put up 31.8 points per game. So I think last year was an aberration. I know talking to Coach Ferentz, Two years ago about the offensive line, he was concerned. Last year about the offensive line, he was concerned. This year's offensive line, he likes. So they finally have a good offensive line. They've got the quarterback. They've got the receiver. Now, Phil Parker is one of the most underrated defense coordinators in the game. He has got a tremendously talented defense. Seven starters back from last year's top-notch unit that only gave up 13.3 points per game. And then the third factor is special teams. And I actually rate him the number two special teams in the country. In that first right through the magazine I had Iowa favored the only thing that did them in is not being picking them to win the West is the schedule playing Penn State on the road Wisconsin on the road but I haven't favored all the other games so even if the win totals eight I like them over I think this is a team very capable of double-digit wins this year all right love to hear it uh let's talk about a team that 
in some ways is is the opposite of Wisconsin just from a betting or sorry the opposite of Iowa just from a betting standpoint Iowa's a team I really like and then the schedule kind of enhances why I want to back them Minnesota is a team that I kind of like but the schedule is keeping me away from backing them it's set at seven flat you get plus money to the over how do you feel about Minnesota Phil because I think you're going to say that you like them but the schedule is difficult are are they going to fall to six and six and lose that? Or do you think seven is a number where you either push or win on an eight win team? Yeah, you hit it right on the head with Minnesota. You got to like the talent. Now, granted, they lose their top running back from last year in Ibrahim, but I like uh, Calamanis, Calicmanis uh, at quarterback. Sean Tyler comes in from Western Michigan. Uh, they bring in Elijah Spencer from Charlotte, a wide receiver. Corey Crooms from Western Michigan. The offensive line's a little bit of a question mark. They only have two starters back there, but the defense uh, with uh, their defense coordinator. Um, uh, Joe Rossi is going to be outstanding this year. Now, schedule-wise, they avoided Ohio State-Michigan last year. Now they play both Ohio State-Michigan, so let's count that as two losses. They have to play Iowa on the road. They have to play North Carolina on the road. Boom, boom, boom. We're up to four losses now. I've got a couple of toss-up games on the schedule, and that's really uh, determining how it's going to be. They play Purdue on the road uh, November the 11th, and they get Wisconsin at home. I would say those are toss-up games. You know I like Wisconsin, though, in that one. So uh, I think getting getting over seven is going to be tough getting two seven though is feasible for them yeah all right that one at seven flat that seems more like a ceiling we'll probably stay stay away from that one um all right we're gonna move on to the acc uh between missing the ACC title game in 2001, missing the college football playoff the last two seasons and the hype for a team like Florida State this season I feel like we're somehow forgetting not, I don't know if forgetting is the right word, but overlooking Clemson, which is hard to do. And I love that for Clemson. I, I've got them over nine and a half wins this season. I've got them at plus 145 to win the ACC. I've already bet them looking ahead in, in some games. I laid two and a half points with them in late September when they host FSU. So I'll just ask you simply, Phil, are the Tigers back to their ACC dominance this season? Yes, and I, I agree with you 100%. This is an under-the-radar team. Uh, in fact, when I coach, talked to Coach Sweeney, going over the squad with him this year, uh, remember that 2018 defense line they had loaded with NFL talent? He said that this year's group doesn't have the star power of 2018, but it's actually deeper in talent and experience. Uh, give you one of my uh, magazine question marks. I watched Peter Woods in the spring game. Watched, heard about Peter Woods all season long, or all spring long. Talked to Coach Sweeney about Peter Woods. I, I wanted to make him a starter. I couldn't make him a starter. Who do you put him over? Xavier Thomas? Arojo? Davis? Mescol? Uh, and you've got William back there, Page back there. This is an outstanding defensive line. Then you look at the linebackers, Carter and Trotter, two of the best in the country. The secondary is solid, probably the most depth they've had in the secondary in some time. Offensively, one of the, one of their top offensive lines they've had recently. The receiving core is good, uh, probably above average. And then you look at the running backs with Shipley and Mafa, and I think Klubnick will do well. I saw a lot of preseason top tens when I was writing the magazine that didn't even have Clemson in the top ten, which shows you that uh, not a lot of uh, folks around there watching them, but I have Clemson favored in all 12 games. Uh, the Florida State game got him a four-point favorite. The Notre Dame game got him an eight-point favorite. I mean, what game do you put him an underdog in? Why the heck is it total nine and a half? Uh, yeah, um, I'm with you, and it's you'll see some tens out there. You'll see some ten and a halfs with plus money, but ten feel unless something goes terribly wrong, ten feels like the floor. 
with this Clemson team, but the team getting a lot of hype FSU. And I, I see the reasons why you bring back the quarterback, you bring back, uh, you know, what would have been a first round pick on defense comes back. There's a lot of reason to, to like them, but that win total sitting at nine and a half, 10, like I've already faded uh, FSU twice in September because I like LSU and Clemson against them. So they got to be perfect the rest of the way, almost to get to 10. If they wind up losing those games, I'll ask you, is FSU overhyped at all? Or do you think they're appropriately priced? And is FSU going to be that team that we see go up against Clemson in the ACC title game? Or would you take the field there? Yeah. And, you know, the good thing with my ratings that I have in the front of the magazine where I rank each position is I don't think about the teams. I'm just looking at the position. So when the magazine was over, uh, I looked at uh, where I ranked their positions and, you know, their their top seven, offense and defense, quarterback, running back, receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, DB. Now, generally, if you're a top 15 team. It's not surprising. All seven units rank in my top units. However, the thing I noticed is Florida State, all seven units rank in my top 15. So this is a really good team. You know, Jordan Travis, you got Benson and Tofili at, at running back, uh, the receiving court dangerous. They added Keon Coleman late in the process. We were able to get him on the page. He was the leading receiver from Michigan State. He's added to Johnny Wilson. Offensive line's been a major problem through the years, but last year it wasn't. And this year they've got practically everybody back. The defense is outstanding, led by Jared Verse. It's a dangerous Florida State team. Now, you mentioned the LSU and Clemson games early. And keep in mind, this is quite a difference for Florida State because last year at this time, Mike Norvell's on the hot seat. He's coming in off of two losing seasons, and uh, is he was on the hot seat. Now, this year, they're regarded as a national title contender. That's a pretty big jump for a team to take. But I did think Florida State last year was the best team in the ACC. In fact, they were the best team statistically uh, in league play. They were plus 165 yards per game, better than any other team. They had three close losses in league play. Uh, they're a dangerous team. Uh, I can see the talent there for them to get over that win total, but uh, I, I wouldn't play it just based on what you said. The, you know, if you have two tough games early in September, you just drop one more, and all of a sudden you're under the total. All right, we're going to appease our producer Samir here, a Pitt Panther, and this is a team that we we seem to talk about every year. I consistently find myself backing a a modest over on a win total, and I did it again this year at a minus one fifty six and a half. It now sits seven. I would still bet the seven. I think I think maybe you push, but I think there's a much better chance of winning that at eight than than losing it at six. And I know this is a team that you're high on uh, once again, Phil. So uh, tell me why you think the Panthers are going to be uh, so solid in the ACC again. Yeah, and Samir, I hope you did bet the over on Pitt because I like the over on Pitt, and you'll be able to to root your Panthers on. And and one of the reasons I, I like I like Pitt this year is is Pat Narduzzi. I mean, you look at that defensive line. I remember, uh, I think they had 51 sacks in 2019. I'm like, oh, look at all those guys they lost. 46 sacks. Oh, look at all those guys they lost. 54 sacks. Oh, look at all those guys they lost. 48 sacks last year. So, yes, they lose their best defensive player in Kalijah Kansi, but they will replace him. They will get their sacks. They've got a solid linebacking core. The defense is going to be strong. Offensively, 
I had expected more from Keaton Slovis than they when we got last year. I mean, he had a very average ten nine ratio on the year. But Phil Jerkovic comes in. I'm a I'm a Phil Jerkovic fan. I like what he did two years ago when his offensive coordinator was Frank Signetti. Who's his offensive coordinator here? Oh, Frank Signetti. So I think he will do well, better than Slovis last year. Uh, they do lose their top guy, Abenconda, from the uh, running back core. But Coach Narduzzi said they've got three running backs capable of getting to 1,000 yards this year. Not, of course, all at the same time, but any of them are capable of getting to 1,000. I think the run game will be strong. The offensive line went through a lot of injuries last year and will be healthier. And when I look at their schedule this year, uh, the one game I have them a true underdog is at Notre Dame. I've got them a 10-point dog there. I've got Florida State at home in November in the cold weather as a toss-up, which goes back to your point, Julian, about Florida State. And I also have the Duke game as a toss-up game at the end of the season. But other than that, I've got them favored in the other nine games. To me, it's an easy over, over seven with Pitt. And uh, you got pretty fortunate getting in there at six and a half. That's a nice number. I know we're recording a little late this year, August. I think we've normally done this in in July. So some numbers have moved a bit, but uh, still some meat on the bone, let's say, uh, with Pitt. I'm going to I'm going to throw out two teams I'm a little bit lower on in the ACC this year. You can let me know if you agree or if there's somebody else I'm, I'm missing. I will say last year when we did this podcast, I asked you for a team you were down on in the ACC. You told me are compared to expectations, at least. And you told me Virginia with that seven and a half win total was being way overvalued. Now, tragedy struck there. Those those didn't grade because they only played 10 games rather than eight. But UVA went three and seven last season. That one sits at three and a half this season. And I have trouble getting them to four. UVA is a team that I'm looking at the under on and Miami sitting at seven and a half. The Hurricanes over the last handful of years have a losing record straight up when they are favored by sing by single digits. Um, so if they're not a double digit favorite and they're only a single digit favorite, they've been dropping a lot of these games. They've struggled. So I don't see Miami getting to eight plus I don't see Virginia getting to four plus. I don't know how you feel about those Phil, or if there's another team on the AC uh, in the ACC that you think I'm not looking at that could potentially be overrated. Yeah, I think with Miami, um, I know my conversation with Coach Cristobal, he was practically buoyant about this year's squad. Uh, he loves the fact they're bigger, stronger, uh, meaner on the offensive line and the defensive line. He added a lot of talent in there. So I think they will be better at the line. Uh, I only have them favored in seven games, though. I've got them a dog against AM week two at North Carolina. Clemson at home at NC State and at Florida State. So I would lean with the under with Miami. Not a super strong one because of how uh, excited Cristobal was about the team, but um, I don't consider them an ACC contender this year. I think that um, they'll be tough. I mean, they should get to a bowl game, but I don't think they'll be a contender. And with Virginia, I was thinking last year, the major problem with Virginia was the offensive line. They had no experience on the offensive line, and it showed. You watch some of those games, like early on against Illinois or uh, when they played Pitt, they just got run over at the line of scrimmage. And I'm thinking, well, this year they're going to be much better on the offensive line. And then what happened? The uh, transfer portal hit them hard, and a bunch of their expected returning starters left. So they only have 17 career starts on the offensive line once again. I know Tony Elliott has got uh, I think that you're going to find a surprising guy in Tony Musket. I think Musket will have a better than expected year at the running back spot, but can he stay up and can he stay healthy with that young offensive line will be a big question mark. I do have them a dog in eight game, or in nine games this year. 
All right, we're going to move out of the ACC. I'm going to skip the Big 12 for now, which was next on the list because I re- we're running out of time and I really want to talk Pac-12 with you. I'll wrap with one Big 12 question because, of course, everybody needs to know if Texas is indeed back. But Pac-12 for now, uh, conference is, you know, the future of it is going down in flames, but this sets up as an awesome year in the Pac-12. I'm really excited for it. All eyes on USC, but... We got to start with the back-to-back defending champs, and that would be the Utah Utes, um, a team that I've bet over, I think, three of the last four years and cashed, um, a team that I know from reading your magazine and talking to you that uh, you're you're consistently pretty high on, and it has to do with the offensive and, and defensive lines always being some of the best in the country. But the Pac-12 is really tough. Cam Rising is coming off of injury. They lose Kincaid. The win total sitting at eight and a half. I'm passing on it this year. And we know, obviously, week one was initially as double digit favorites considered a maybe an easy win. Now that spread is cut in half with some of these question marks. Do you think Utah, I, I know where you have them in the magazine uh, in the Pac-12 um, with so many good teams, but do you think Utah, Phil, can contend yet again? Yeah, well, I mean, at the line of scrimmage, they're among the best in the country, offensive line, defensive line. If Cam Rising comes back and is 100% and he is Cam Rising, then yes, they can contend. Now, what I don't like about Utah this year, though, is the schedule. And if you go back and take a look, I did a a blog on philsteel.com about the Pac-12, and I called it the the big six, little six of the Pac-12, because last year, the top six teams in the Pac-12 were 30 wins and two losses against the teams from the bottom six of the Pac-12. And then I factored in the home field edge. I mean, USC was 7-0 and at home under Lincoln Riley. Utah is 19-0 and at home the last three non-COVID years. Oregon, 21-1 and at home the last four years. Kalen DeBoer, 7-0 and at home against Wisconsin, or with Washington. Oregon State, 12-1 and at home the last two years. Now their stadium is fully done. And UCLA six and two at home last year so i pretty much figured the big boys at home win games and utah has to play washington on the road usc on the road and oregon state on the road this year plus baylor on the road so i'm not enamored with their schedule as far as going over eight and a half but i think i still have them um favor i only am a, a true dog in two games i've got oregon state a toss up and baylor's close to the line but this is a talented utah team your question marks would be cam rising and your question mark would be a tough road slate and keep in mind you know as good as utah has been the last three years they're seven and seven on the road straight up wow um all right now we can talk usc yes they bring back the heisman trophy winner caleb williams obviously favored to win the heisman yet again other elite offensive pieces big question with the team obviously is going to be the defense which was not good last year, but they made themselves, they kept themselves in everything due to that turnover differential, which I know is a a huge stat that you look at every year, Phil. Um, They're favored to win the Pac-12. You know, they're right on that line as a team that that very well could get into the college football playoff. Schedule's not a cakewalk though, yet the win total has been bet from nine and a half up to 10, 10 and a half. Do you think the Trojans, yeah, so it's it's on the rise. Do you think the Trojans feel get over the hump? Because I feel like there's so many coin flip games on the schedule. They're they're probably due to lose two in my mind. 
Yeah, I've got an underdog in two games this year uh, at Notre Dame in, in October where it could be cold, and the home team has won eight of the last nine in the series. And that Oregon, now Oregon's almost unbeatable in Autzen Stadium. So I've got them a, a slight dog in both of those games. But other than that, they only have one of the Pac-12 big boys on the road, which is one of the reasons I picked them to win the Pac-12. Everybody else pretty much has two with the exception of Oregon State. Uh, I like the upgrades on defense. Bear Alexander at the defensive tackle spot, 315 pounds coming in from Georgia. Anthony Lucas, 295 pounds of defensive end coming in from Texas A&M. Both who are among my top six defensive linemen out of high school. They had in a guy like Mason Cobb, who is one of Oklahoma State's top tacklers. Christian Wallace, Roland Wallace, who was one of the uh, Pac-12's top cornerbacks last year, all added in. And uh, I think their defense will uh, definitely be improved. They don't have to have great defense with that explosive offense. So I think it could very well be enough for them to win the Pac-12. But I think getting to the playoff would mean they'd have to win a couple of really big road games and I think Notre Dame and Oregon are going to be tough tests all right you mentioned Oregon in there a couple of times how tough they are to beat at home Bo Nix was fantastic last year he is one of 16 starters that returns for the Ducks a lot of hype around this team and I get it and I know you're high on them the win total is nine and a half and I haven't done anything with it, but I have been staring at the under all summer. I just feel like there are so many coin flip. They're not, there's no one game that you can point to where it's like, Oh, well, they're going to be a, a touchdown underdog here. They should lose it. They have none of those, but they do have a handful of four or so coin flip games that I think are going to be tough on them. Uh, your, your thoughts on this Oregon team, Phil, because they, They've got all winnable games, but the question is, can they actually win all those coin flips? Yeah, I'm going back to the the blog on philsteel.com. Uh, they go from number 79 on my experience chart all the way up to number 18. So a much more experienced team this year. Uh, last year, they were in the first year of Dan Lanning. This year, their year two. Every second year coach I've ever talked to has said what better shape they're in this year because now the players know the system and the uh, coach knows the players. And remember the last couple of year, games last year, Bo Nix was hobbling around. You go back to that Utah game and the Oregon State game, he was very questionable coming in. He played, but he wasn't running the football and they blew a huge lead last year against Oregon State they led that thing uh, like 31 to 10 late in the third quarter and had like a 17 point lead in the fourth quarter and somehow lost that thing or else they would have been in the Pac-12 title game last year so it's a it's a better Oregon team uh, one that I've got number 15 in my power poll number 15 overall I've got them a dog a three-point dog at Washington a four-point dog at Utah but I do have them favored against USC and Oregon State's the other tough uh, Pac-12 game they avoid UCLA and they get Oregon State at home playing with revenge so I I'm looking at a 10-win season for Oregon this year, and I think they are a contender in the Pac-12. All right. I remember that Oregon State game very well, by the way, last year, because not only did I have Oregon State in that game, but I actually had Utah to win the Pac-12, and Oregon State winning that game, as you mentioned. <laughs> so that was the gambling gods were uh, were with me. On how, that. Did, how did Utah win that tiebreaker, Julian? Oh. <laughs> That was uh, an interesting finish to the Pac-12 season, uh, to say the least. And that'll be how that'll be how it concludes again. I believe Oregon State is uh, plus seven and a half at Oregon this year in that game. Um, we're going to keep going with these big Pac-12 teams. Uh, the team that I love is is Washington. Um, I bet them over nine wins at plus money flat. 
I, I don't see eight and four being realistic. I think it's a nine or 10 win team and you, you would win or push at that number. Uh, I don't have to talk anybody into the offense. They bring back so much offensive uh, firepower. Um, it's just, if, if the defense is, is going to be there and if they can win some of these coin flip games in a tough pack 12, but I've got them over nine. I took him at four to one to to win the conference because I I believe in them and think they have a chance to to be in that Friday night game in Vegas. Um, what do you think of Washington, Phil? Because these teams, once you start lumping them together, your Utahs, your Oregon's, they're all going to have such similar finishes. It seems like we're we're splitting hairs here. Yeah, and you know when I looked at Washington, um, I probably wasn't uh, super high on them in the fact that sort of like Minnesota. Remember how Minnesota last year avoided Ohio State, Michigan, and both popped up on the schedule. Washington last year avoided Utah and USC, and now both have popped up on the schedule. So that concerned me a lot uh, during the magazine process. But then after I finish uh, writing the magazine, I go through every game for the upcoming season and determine who I've got as a favorite and who I got as a dog. And at the end of the the line, I've I have them favored in 10 games this year. The only two games I don't have them favored are at USC, which could be a massive game. And we're talking about uh, Washington being favored in their first eight games, being 8-0, playing USC on the road. A huge game. And then two weeks later, they do have to play Oregon State on the road. And as mentioned, Oregon State's 12-1 and at home the last – or 20 um, – yeah, 12-1 and at home the last two years. And they've been playing in a um, stadium that's been under construction. So it's only been like 50%, 70% capacity now that the construction is complete. They're playing in the Reeser Stadium. It's got 100% capacity. That crowd's going to be super loud, and they'll be pumped up at the end of the year. But those are the only two games I have my dog. I do have them favored uh, against Utah at home. As mentioned, Utah's just 7-7 seven and seven on the road the last uh, three years. I've got them favored against Washington State So and Oregon. I've got them a three-point favorite at home against Oregon this year. Uh, keep in mind, they went on the road and beat Oregon last year, 37-34. So I've got them at 10 wins, and I've got them a contender in the Pac-12. All right, I'm going to quickly touch on uh, Oregon State, who you've mentioned a couple times. I'm not a huge DJU fan, but it's a quarterback upgrade. And this was a good team last year. Uh, this is one where I missed the boat. I missed the over eight. I don't see this team going seven and five. I think eight is one of those win or push scenarios. But now it's eight and a half. And I I don't know where I where I sit on that one because it should be an eight or nine win team in my mind. They have some tough ones there. I know it's a team you like, and they have a great home field advantage. Would you still be confident in an eight and a half, Phil? Yeah. And I also like, what's the odds for them to uh, win the PAC 12 this year, Julian? Ooh, baby. Uh, you're looking at like 11. Well, while you're looking that up, I'll, I'll talk about Oregon state and why I like them this year. As you pointed mm-hmm. out last 11, year, they had the average 11 number on the PAC 12. Oh, those, that's worth a look. You know what I mean? When I when I go to a casino, I like to play roulette. When you get the better odds you get, uh, you know, you hit that one big number and it's a nice payday. I think that might be worth a look with Oregon State. Now, you look at the fact that, um, uh, you know, they got average quarterback play last year. And DJU is not an elite quarterback, but he definitely is an upgrade. They've got Damian Martinez in the backfield. Uh, great offensive line. And I tell you what, Jonathan Smith's doing a tremendous job on this team. First time I talked to him, they barely went one deep. Now they go three deep at a lot of positions. The defense is strong. And then just what I talked about with the Pac-12, the Power Six got teams in the Pac-12 at home. That's a great thing. Uh, Oregon State and USC have the best schedules. They each play just one.
one of the top six teams in the Pac-12 on the road. They have to play Oregon on the road in the Civil War on November 24th. Other than that, their road games are against Colorado, Arizona, California, Washington State, all winnable. If Reeser Stadium is the den, I think it will be this year, and they're they're 12 and one at home the last two years. Uh, then Oregon State takes care of their home games. They're going to be a very dangerous squad. So, add it all up. Uh, I have them a, a true underdog in one game this year, Julian. That's at Oregon. I've got a pick 'em game against Utah, but as mentioned, Utah's seven and seven on the road the last three years. Oregon State stuff at home. I think that's a game they can win and gain a lot of confidence. They get UCLA at home. They get Washington at home. I like the over for Oregon State, and I also like a chance for them to win the Pac-12. All right, Phil, we are grinding through this podcast. We're going to go rapid fire to wrap up because I got three more things to ask you in three minutes. So here we go. You have mentioned many times the big six and the little six in the Pac-12. We just hit on a lot of those elite teams. Tell me about one of those little six teams that you think is overvalued that could be a fade this year. Uh, Colorado, but I don't even know if they're overvalued. I'll go with Arizona State. Uh, over under win total four and a half. Brand new head coach. A lot of change up. I mean, they're changing offense, defense, players all over the place are new. Uh, I'd, I'd probably lean with the under in that one. All right. We skipped over the Big 12. I'll be honest. I don't have a lot of Big 12 takes this year. Um, it's not a conference that I personally bet as as much. And also we got you know, a new wrinkle there with, with uh, new teams coming into the conference that are all projected towards the bottom. So I'm going to focus on the big question that everybody wants to know. And that is, is it the year that Texas is back? I did bet them at plus money to win the conference. I took them plus seven at Alabama in that week two game, looking for a little bit of revenge, but is this the year that they are going to win the conference? And do they have any shot at the college football playoff? And coming into the magazine process, I wanted to pick against Texas because everybody's going to be gunning for them. They play the toughest schedule in the Big 12 facing uh, of the top six teams. They're the only one that plays each of the other five. But if you take a look on page 138, I've got Texas ranked number one or tied for number one in all eight position categories. They are the most talented team. I haven't favored in all Big 12 games this year. Uh, I think they do have that shot. And for all those people that say Texas disappointing, you know, the last time they were a media favorite to win the Big 12 was way back in 2009. So it's not like they've been the preseason favorite to win the Big 12 any of the last 14 years. All right, we're going to wrap with this one. We obviously covered a lot, but we did not cover anything close to how many teams there are in the country. And as you mentioned, one of the best things about this college football magazine that I'm holding up yet again, you get the same amount of information on every every team. Every team in the country is two pages. What is one team that we did not talk about that you have your your strongest take on or your strongest feel for this season? I'm just going to give you an open, a blank piece of paper. What team comes to your mind here. I'm going to go with the Toledo Rockets. And nobody thinks Mac, you know, the Mac's not even one of the top group of five out there, but they've got a shot at actually qualifying to be that top group of five team for this reason. Daquan Finn returns. The defense is loaded with talent. The guy like Dallas Gant, who's an Ohio State transfer. And last year, what happened to them, uh, they got themselves to uh, uh, the Mac t- clinch the Mac title game, and then they rested their quarterback against Bowling Green in Western Michigan, a couple of losses. So two of their three losses last year, they were resting players. This year, I think they've got the chance, if they can get past Illinois in the opener, to potentially run the table. It's a very talented Toledo team. They recruits among the best in the Mac every year. They won the MAC last champion. They finally got their first bowl win under Candle, and I think Toledo could be a surprise team this year. 
There we go. If we had more time, my list to ask you was, I bet Toledo minus 130 to win the division and mine uh, plus 150 to win the conference. So uh, I'm glad that you went there because now I, I got my answer. <laughs> Over eight and a half too. Yeah, there you go. Another good look. Um, all right. I'm holding up the magazine on camera one last time. Here it is. If you don't have it, get it. I love having the hard copy in my hand to, to flip through, take notes, all the above. Um, PhilSteel.com. Phil Steel Plus is something that you're going to want to get your hands on. You got the digital FCS magazine, um, all amazing content and a great conversation right here on the Unreasonable Odds podcast. Uh, Phil, thank you so much for the time. Uh, yet another summer. Hey, uh, Julian, it's always enjoyable talking to you for the full hour like we do each year. I don't usually do uh, shows for a full hour, but uh, you're well worth it talking to you about football and uh, enjoyed it a lot. Hey, very, very much appreciate the time, Phil. I know that you're, uh, we get the extended Phil Steele interview here. So hopefully uh, you guys all enjoyed it and we'll be back to do it again next year here on Unreasonable Odds. Odds and lines are subject to change. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER.